and welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by John Paulson. We'll have another accuracy update for you. We'll get into some sneaky starts by John, of course, cover some both injury news and some trade news as well. But John, before we do all that, tell us about the music that brought us in. Yeah, this is uh, Sturgill Simpson's new uh, track. It's called Sing Along. Uh, It's the third track off of his new album, Sound and Fury. Uh, It just came out not too long ago. And uh, I I just put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find a link for in any of the podcast playlists on the site. Uh, If you can't find it on uh, Spotify, if you're looking for it and you can't find it anywhere else, just hit me up on Twitter and I'll send you the link. Well, like I mentioned, we have another accuracy update for you. After a number seven finish in week seven in Fantasy Pro's accuracy competition, John is up to number three three year to date out of 131 rankers. He's also number two out of 63 rankers in the new accuracy study being conducted by FantasyNation.com. John has finished in the top six in seven of the last nine years at Fantasy Pro's, which of course is why we call this the most accurate podcast. John, congratulations, man. He continues to we continue to praise you and rightfully so and and um it seems like each and every week you're starting to build build further here well thank you uh i'm just gonna do my best bill belichick uh impersonation and say that we're on we're on to week eight (laughs) and uh it was a good win for us it's always good to get a division win uh but we're on to week eight Um, this isn't easy, you know, like John, John doesn't pop himself up, prompt himself up much, but like this, as, as anybody listening to the podcast knows, if you try to do your own rankings and things like that, this is, this is why John stands head and head and above shoulders, a lot of rankers in the industry. And again, this is, this isn't easy, man. So congrats on that. And I know, uh, you're going to put you, put the nose back to the grindstone. I know, I know these rankings won't affect your uh your your work your you know you getting back into the the laboratory and and getting back to it john um if you yeah use the, yeah the only yeah. like the only reason we we put josh gordon on ir was it was the right transaction for the team at the time <laughs> so i'd like just to gonna, move on to week eight just gonna complete <laughs> complete uh you know avoidance of everything all right if you use the code tmap at 444 you will get a 25 percent off any subscription rest of season subscription the prices were reduced after week four but you can get an additional 25 percent off with the code tmap if you're going to sign up and you want john to get credit great click on the link in his twitter bio or click the link bit.ly backslash T-M-A-P John, that last part, T-M-A-P John, that's all in caps, to sign up and he'll get a little kickback. If you don't sign up this week, be sure to look for a huge Halloween sale that will start next Monday and run through next Thursday. Today we're going to discuss the latest news and injuries, recap the Vikings-Redskins Thursday night game, and then we'll discuss a few to John's sneaky starts for week eight. First though, let's make sure that We get a word in from our sponsors. Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site, brings the heat again with a $500,000 guaranteed rake-free contest, the Hooter Main event, the largest and only rake-free contest of its kind that you're going to find in Week 8. And remember, only Fantasy Draft, only at Fantasy Draft, are 100% of the entry fees paid to contest winners. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444, and you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. This podcast is also brought to you by Iconic, a not-for-profit organization that will help you find the perfect pair of eyewear or contacts. 
Speaking of Josh Gordon, you just mentioned mentioned him in your Bill Belichick impersonation, John. He was sent to IR. Mohamed Sanu was acquired from Atlanta for a second-round pick. How does this receiving core look moving forward? Should owners cut Gordon? What do you think about Sanu joining the fray? What do you think about the Patriots? Well, Belichick did say that uh, Gordon was not healthy right now, and he did have that injury to his knee and ankle, that leg injury that he had when he was uh, tracking down the – the uh, defender who picked up a fumble, I believe, off of a Tom Brady sack, uh, saved a touchdown on that, I believe. And so he missed some time and then got sent to IR, and reportedly he will be released soon. Uh, and then he's going to go through waivers. So I think that might be the Patriots' way of keeping him away from um, good teams <laughs> because... <laughs> The bad teams have the opportunity to grab him first. And I don't know how many people are going to be interested in him at this point. The um, knock on him after they got cut, because you always hear from the Patriots fan base once you question a Patriots move, right? So I questioned a Patriots move and heard that Gordon just wasn't anywhere near what he was in Cleveland, and he just looked like a tight end out there, and... And my, my point was that he, in the games where he wasn't injured, uh, he was playing, or uh, uh, Antonio Brown was also in the, one of those games. But the non-A, non-injury, non-AB games, he was playing at like a 1,000-yard pace, 60-something catches, a 1,000-yard pace. Um, so I was surprised that they let him go. Um, but maybe they know more about the knee uh, situation than everyone else. Um, as far as this... Receiving core, the Mohamed Sanu is a good player. He's not a burner either, uh, but he's been productive for Atlanta for a lot of years. You can maybe a little speak speak to that. I know he played a lot in the slot, but that doesn't seem like he's going to be his role with Julian Edelman um, there playing mostly in the slot, uh, and then Philip Dorsett, Sanu, and Edelman. I think rounding out the three wide receiver sets. I think this week. You don't shouldn't expect a whole lot from Sanu. This is a pretty complicated offense, and it takes a little while for for receivers to get going. But I think you know by a couple three weeks, you're going to start seeing him be pretty involved in the offense. Um, I still think Dorsett is the safer play for a while because uh, he's been productive uh, in all the non-AB games except for one. I think uh, he's been caught a touchdown, at least one touchdown. He's had four touchdowns in three games, um, or four touchdowns in four games. Um, so he's been quite productive uh, for that team and should continue to be so. I think he's got Tom Brady's trust, and it's going to take a little while for Sanu to, to earn that. Yeah, just my thoughts on Sanu. As regular listeners know, I'm, I'm a uh, Falcon fan, and um, that's why I, uh, I admit that first and foremost, the first first step in, you know, admitting that you have a problem john is in fact admitting that you have a problem and my problem is being a falcon fan um but sanu sanu's a really i i always use the word competitive he's a competitive player and that means he he battles for extra yards he's he does an excellent job kind of posting up nickel corners in the slot or safeties or even linebackers i mean he just does an excellent job of kind of uh out muscling defenders to the ball he he has a knack for getting open underneath I, I I agree with you it seems kind of redundant to have him in the slot when you got so many slot receivers already in New England so I imagine he'll be kicked out I just don't think that he's going to be this this massive weapon like maybe some of the publications are throwing out there like I, I saw somebody say oh the Patriots are unstoppable now it's like okay well 
Sanu's a really good player. I, he's, he's nowhere close to being a wide receiver one in my eyes. Now with the Patriots, might be a different story, but with New England, it's always who is on the same page as Tom Brady. That's it. That's the end of the story. Doesn't matter the skill set. I mean, Julian Edelman was a former quarterback, as we know, in college, but he's such in tune with Tom Brady. They run all those option routes, you know, all those choice routes. He's, Sanu's just got to have to get on the same page as Brady, and if he does so, he's he's going to be targeted plenty. So uh, I like the trade. I actually like the trade for both sides. I like the fact that the Falcons got a second-round pick, which after the Patriots inevitably win another Super Bowl, that'll probably be more like a third-round pick. Um, but, you know, I, I like it for both sides, and obviously the Patriots need help. There's a reason why they went out and signed Antonio Brown when they did. They're, they're, they've been they've always been always They've always looked for – help at the wide receiver spot. So should be a nice fit. Sanu's a really competitive player, and you know we'll see what his, his target share is going to be moving forward. All right, Emmanuel Sanders traded to the 49ers. John, how does this impact other pass catchers in San Francisco? Well, it's not good for the receivers. I think they. it was pretty clear that Kyle Shanahan wasn't crazy about his receiving core. Uh, he's been harping on Dante Pettis uh, for several weeks now. Uh, Debo Samuel has been injured. Uh, Jalen Hurd has been injured. Uh, Kedrick Bourne's fine. He is doing okay, and then of course Marquise Goodwin. So they they wanted a go-to guy, and they they went out and got him. Uh, he's Sanders has been kind of up and down this season. He's coming off that Achilles tear, and he's I think he's fully healthy. He just hasn't been the primary target in the Denver offense. It's been Cortland Sutton. So um, this is a good addition for this offense. I I think it helps probably more than hurts. Uh, George Kittle, because it probably will free him up a little bit more as the defense is forced to account for another talented receiver. But everybody else is going to be another pig lower. I, I don't know how playable anyone is outside of Sanders and uh, Kittle in this passing offense. All right, Drew Brees might be back this week. What's your sense on things? It, it, it sure seems that Brees is inching closer. He says it's all about feel of the football. He was throwing a Nerf ball when in, when he first came back from the injury or, or had the surgery. The last couple of weeks, though, he's worked himself up into an NFL-sized football. Do you think he's back this week? Because he's got a cake matchup with Arizona, even with a, even with Patrick Peterson back, uh, returning last week from suspension. I think he wants to come back, but there's one other thing I wanted to mention about the Sanders uh, trade is that it opens up a ton of opportunities for Deshaun Hamilton. He had 25 catches for 182 yards, two touchdowns over a four-game stretch late last year. So if you're in a league where he's still out on the waiver wire, uh, he was the wide receiver 22 uh, in PPR formats over that span, Sutton did play. So sorry, I forgot to mention that earlier. Uh, Breeze seems like he wants to play. The The Saints have a week nine bye. So, and they have a, a winnable game at home with Teddy Bridgewater playing well. So to me, both Breeze and Kamara are more likely to sit than play. Uh, gives them the extra two weeks to completely heal up and maybe come back and get ready for the uh, Week 10 game. But stranger things have happened. Players have come back that have been injured, have come back before the bye to play because they're healthy enough to play. So if he does play, it's a great matchup. Eight home games uh, since 2018. Breeze has averaged 328 yards passing, 2.88 touchdowns per game. He's still Drew Breeze at home. He doesn't play as well on the road or produce on the road like he does at home. Uh, and that results in Ted Ginn. I want to mention him. It's time to pick him up if you are in a deeper league. Uh, 
we just, we just picked him up in FFPC. We're hurting the receiver. He needs some de- uh, depth at receiver. And he's got, I don't know how many home games he's got, but he's got six dome games in the next seven. And the seventh game is against Tampa in Tampa. So that secondary is pretty generous. So anyway, Ted Ginn, 4.3 catches, 59 yards, uh, 0.33 touchdowns per game in six home games since last season. Uh, he's actually playable as a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, anytime he's at home. Uh, so we're getting close to that happening. I don't know if it'll happen this week. If it doesn't, you're looking at Teddy Bridgewater being a, a low-end QB1, high-end QB2 play against the Cardinals. And uh, Latavius Murray right now I still have ranked in the top five uh, because of uh, his production against Chicago last week. I think he'll have a similar game uh, this week against Arizona if Kamara is out. Patrick Mahomes returned to practice this week, and Coach Andy Reid confirmed that he was taking second-round reps in practice on Thursday. That said, Reid also confirmed that Mahomes will, won't suit up against the Packers on Sunday night. So huge downgrade, obviously, for Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Talk to us about those two players as well as LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, I think it's a great decision not to play Mahomes this week. It has nothing to do with the <laughs> fact that they're playing my – my favorite team, the Packers. It has everything to now, do with now, the <laughs> Well, yeah, it had mostly to do with that. It, it's also, I would hate to have him be run out there after he had his knee cl- kneecap uh, displaced uh, last week. So uh, the right decision, I think, uh, in the end. And it looks like he'll be back sooner rather than later if he's already uh, practicing. But one thing to keep in mind with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey is that they were productive with uh, Alex Smith at quarterback there and if you look at career numbers between Alex Smith and Matt Moore they just aren't that dissimilar so it's not like this is a death death knell to either one of these players values where I think you start to lose it as these fringe players like Demarcus Robinson and you know Damian Williams and uh, Mecole Hardman and Sammy Watkins these players probably don't produce at the level that Hill or that they would have with Mahomes under center because the whole offense takes a, a pretty sizable step back. But I think Hill is still startable as a low-end wide receiver one. I think uh, Kelsey is still very startable as a tight end one. So it's not like danger time, but it's it's just you have to re- ratchet back your expectations, and these fringe guys are not as startable as they would be with, with Mahomes there. All right, Matt Ryan suffered an ankle injury last week against the Rams. He didn't practice all week outside of Friday. So he returned on Friday. His status is questionable as of this moment, but will officially be determined on Saturday. I would assume he plays, John. What about you? Yeah, it sounds like Dan Quinn is uh, desperate to win a game to keep his job. He should be. Uh, so it seems like they're throwing you know all caution to the wind here and running, running Ryan out there. He, he didn't play well last week who was it who was the game against last week rams so that was supposed to be a good offensive showing for the falcons in that game it was pretty pretty awful um but you know this week they got seattle their 21st in just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks um so this should be a better performance for that team uh if if ryan plays and if he's out it's obviously a big downgrade to, to the receiving core i'm interested to see how many targets calvin ridley sees now with Sanu gone and what sort of snaps he's playing because it has he has been kind of a 75% snap guy. Is he now going to be on the field 90, 95% of the time? And that should lead to more production for Ridley. Yeah, I mean, Austin Hooper has 
come out of nowhere. I love that too, John. I feel like you and I have been hyping up Hooper for the last couple of years, and then this is his bust out, and you know we, we barely mentioned him, although I know you've, you've had him inching up your rankings um, appropriately. Carrion Johnson was placed on IR. Earliest return is week 16. What do you expect him from Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick moving forward? Yeah, if you look at what has been going on with this backfield, it was carry on. There was a couple games, or at least one game, where Ty Johnson didn't play at all. It was just carry on and McKissick. So you kind of thought, oh, well, maybe McKissick's now the RB2 there. But then carry on went out last week, uh, fairly early in that game, and Ty Johnson came in and basically took over carry on Johnson's role. I mean, McKissick's too small, really, to be an every down back. So if this makes sense, there Ty Johnson had 13 touches after carry on went out with the injury uh, that included four catches and then JD McKissick saw five touches. So it's basically that same sort of ratio split in that backfield with those two. So I think as long as the lions don't trade for somebody or sign a running back off the street, that's pretty good. Like maybe like a CJ Anderson or something like that, then he shouldn't have much competition for carries in that offense. Uh, and, you know, I had people telling me on Twitter that he's not he's not going to play on third down, so he's not going to catch the ball. But he had four catches um, last week, so I think he's going to be involved as a receiver as well. He did both in college, so um, I just think this is more of a rotational thing, change of pace thing with McKissick. So I see Johnson as an RB two type, uh, as long as they don't trade or, or sign somebody. And um, yeah, I think most waivers are done for the week. But uh, if you're out there, he's still out there in the waiver wire. He can certainly help uh, fantasy rosters moving forward. Josh Jacobs is iffy with a shoulder injury. He's listed as questionable, but John Gruden expects him to play against the Houston Texans. How about you? Yeah, it sounds like he's going to. I guess they shot him up against the Packers. He came back and looked decent. Um, he was off to a really good start against the Packers and then um, on a long run injured the shoulder. So it sounds like he's going to play and try to get it out. Uh, Jalen Richard has some kind of ankle injury. He was limited earlier in the week. I haven't checked his status since then. Um, so... DeAndre Washington is just sort of a flyer if you're hoping that uh, Jacobs is either limited in the game or gets knocked out of the game, and then Washington has to take over as the running back. But uh, he's a desperation play only. David Johnson is a game-time decision for Week 8. The Cardinals are in New Orleans, so not a great matchup. What's your advice for David Johnson owners? Yeah, they're fourth. uh, The Saints are fourth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to – allowed to running backs. Uh, however, they have given up uh, 43 catches to opposing running backs in seven games. That looks like it's the eighth most in the league, seventh most in the league. So uh, they do give up receptions. Uh, Edmonds can do it all. He showed that last week against the Giants. Um, so I have him ranked as a low-end RB1, even though it's a, a bad matchup. He's got some guys below him, like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, uh, those are also bad matchups, so I think Edmonds is going to get the get 90, 95% of the touches in that backfield, and that uh, should be a game where they score some points, even though the, the Saints defense is pretty good. Alvin Kamara practiced on a limited basis. He's officially questionable for that same matchup in New Orleans between the Saints and the Cardinals. As of right now, you know, he is shaping up to be a true game-time decision. So similar question as David Johnson here. John, what's your advice for Alvin Kamara owners? Well, luckily they play early. They play 1 p.m. on uh, uh, Eastern on uh, Sunday, so we'll know early. But I, I'm guessing we'll find out Saturday night from uh, Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport whether or not he's going to play. I think he's had all three days of practice, I, and they signed 
uh, a couple running backs. So it seems like the writing's on the wall that he's going to sit this week. Devontae Adams is running half-speed routes at practice, so it seems like he's getting closer, but he's already been ruled out for this Sunday night's matchup with the Chiefs. Yeah, and I was just thinking of David Johnson, not Alvin Kamara, about sitting out of practice. Alvin Kamara was limited on Thursday. I think he might have been limited on today as well. So he is inching closer to a, to starting. But if he's out, Latavius Murray uh, would be the starter. As for Devontae Adams, um, I did see some video of him uh, running some routes, uh, but he was going very slow and just kind of easing his way back. It sounds like uh, they're calling it a game-time decision. They had uh, one of the players listed as doubtful, I don't know if it was MVS or Allison last week, and then he got upgraded to questionable. I think it was Allison, and then ended up playing. So we'll see what happens um, on Saturday with Adams, but I think he's probably going to sit out this week, and so you can look at these other receivers as possible uh, starts this week. Keenan Allen has a hamstring issue or suffered a hamstring issue on Thursday, wasn't seen at practice on Friday. This has got to be a nightmare situation for rankers like yourself, John. Yeah, and then you're looking at the Chargers. They at least they play early, so they play against the Bears uh, in Chicago. You've got Mike Williams. Obviously, will get an uptick in targets. Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. I think the offense will run through those three. Pass offense will run through those three. Maybe Melvin Gordon as well, who hasn't looked very good. Uh, but their other receivers are going to be Jeremy Davis and Andre Patton. So that's pretty scary for uh, Philip Rivers owners, uh, especially you know playing against the Bears in Chicago. So uh, I would expect a lot of targets for for Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, if uh, Allen can't play. And if he does play, it sounds like he will be limited. So it's a pretty scary start. It looks like Will Fuller is going to miss multiple games with a hamstring injury. Is Kenny Stills a a plug-in play for Fuller moving forward? Yeah, if he's out multi-weeks. I picked him up in our league, actually, Anthony. um, Had some debate about who I wanted to pick up this week, but I think Stills can help teams immediately with some wide receiver two-type numbers with Fuller out, it sounds like Fuller is going to be out multi-weeks with this hamstring injury. Uh, from 2016 to 2018, in the 32 games for the Dolphins that Stills played, uh, in which he saw at least four targets, he averaged 3.7 receptions for 56 yards, 0.53 touchdowns per game, and now he has a, uh, a quarterback upgrade to Sean Watson um, with DeAndre Hopkins on the other side uh, attracting the attention of the defense. So uh, I really like Stills in the short term. Sterling Shepard remains out with a concussion. Golden Tate is there, faces his former team. I haven't heard you say many many revenge spots, um, you know, for for these these players. What, what was it used to be called? What, what we called old, it? The old team theorem. Old team theorem. Thank you. So Golden Tate, old theme theorem. Old team theorem. What do you think? Uh, yeah, other people call it the revenge game theorem, or they don't call it the theorem. They just call it revenge game narrative or whatever. Right. Um, but I, I do think players uh, want to stick it to their old teams. I think coaches are more likely to give running backs some carries around the goal line, get them a touchdown, get a wide receiver a touchdown in the end zone, call play that features a receiver so they can score against their old team. Everybody's sort of been there and uh, wants those players to succeed. But that's not the reason I like Golden Tate this week. Uh he has been very involved in the offense the last two weeks with Sterling Shepard out uh, six for 102 and a touchdown on nine targets and six for 80 and 11 targets in the last two weeks. So 20 targets over two games. Um, his matchup with uh, Justin Coleman. I know Coleman is ranked pretty high over at PFF in terms of their uh, grades. Um, but from a fantasy point per route standpoint, he's the worst of the um, Detroit uh secondary so it looks like the best matchup uh, the slot corner there uh tate versus coleman so that should be a good battle um 
to kind of see who who wins that. But Tate can certainly uh, post a nice fantasy line against uh, against the Lions. Sammy Watkins is back, but as we just discussed with Patrick Mahomes, nobody really in that KC offense uh, is going to be eye popping this week. I can't imagine that Sammy Watkins is ranked very high for you. No, I have him right now in the 50s, so he's a wide receiver five type. Uh, maybe he deserves to be a little bit higher, but I'm, I am worried about uh, coming off the multi-week injury with Matt Moore at quarterback. Uh, but looking forward, there's reason to be optimistic about him. Uh, so owners shouldn't necessarily cut bait if he has a bad game this week, if you've held on to him this long. Because there's you know a couple low snap games last year. Uh, when, I, when I removed those because he was injured in the game or was active but barely played, he uh, even this is with Tyree Kill. He averaged 4.9 catches for 64 yards, uh, 0.38 touchdowns on 6.6 targets per game. So once Mahomes comes back, uh, he has the potential to post uh, high-end wide receiver two fantasy numbers. So um, Watkins is a hold right now. Monitor, see how he does. Uh, maybe he didn't perform that great as the number one option there um, with with Hill out, but maybe with Hill back, he'll uh, it'll free him up a little bit more. Tyrell Williams' foot, he's officially questionable for the Raiders. Got the Texans when Williams was playing a couple of weeks ago. He was pretty productive, had some pretty decent games. He scored a touchdown. I think he's got four touchdowns now on the year. Yeah, four touchdowns, uh, targeted 24 times in four games, 17 catches, 216 yards. But, again, kind of has a knack for the the end zone. What do you think about Tyrell Williams' matchup with Houston? Yeah, you normally wouldn't want to use a player in his first game back with a foot injury, but – this is going to be his best matchup all year. Houston's 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So if you have, if you have, you're having trouble at receiver and you need a start, he's not a bad one to start. He had, does have a touchdown in each of his games, and this is a great matchup. So you might as well run him out there. OJ Howard is out. He's got a hamstring injury. How about Cameron Brait this week? Cameron Brait is. Uh, Definitely a sneaky start this week. I picked him up in our league, Anthony. I'm struggling at tight end. I've got Chris Herndon and I had Dawson Knox, and it's just not happening right now at tight end for me because <laughs> David Njoku is my draft guy I drafted, which I regretted. Even when I drafted him, I shouldn't have drafted him. But um, Howard being out opens the door for Brait. Uh, Brait was playing 33% of the snaps as it was, so he already had a role in the offense. Obviously, he, he and Javis Winston have had a rapport over the years. Uh, in the last three weeks, or the last three games, he's got two good fantasy lines, three, three for 36 and a touchdown, and two for 47 and a touchdown, uh, and his snaps should double. And then on top of that, you have a nice matchup. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are 26 in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends, uh, so the matchup is there as well. Well, it's funny that you mentioned your tight end situation in our league, John, because with uh, Delaney Walker out, and I drafted O.J. Howard, regrettably so, same situation for you uh, with your tight end. But Delaney Walker's been ruled out for the Titans. I picked up Jonu Smith. Do you like him this week? I saw you picked him up, and I was like, uh, that's pretty annoying, Anthony, because he was the one I was trying to leave <laughs> on the waiver wire, and he was going to be one of the guys I was going to pick up, but I didn't have room at the time. So That's funny. Um, yeah, it was annoying. Um <laughs> <laughs> but at least at least O.J. Howard's out, and I can turn to Cameron Brait. Because I do have Brait one spot higher than Johnny Smith, although I don't know if I'm doing that just because I'm mad at you and I want <laughs> to have picked up the better player this week. So we'll right. see. Anyway, uh, Johnny Smith um, is a good start. He Last year he had a nice run of games towards the end of the season with Delaney Walker out. He caught 13 passes for 185 yards and three touchdowns in a four-game span. So you have a nice prospect there. Uh, he had three passes for 64 yards. 
after his spike snapped last week to 83%. Uh, Delaney tried to play in that game and just kind of sat out. So that was basically a, a Smith's first start, and he had 3 for 64, which is a solid outing. And on top of that, the Bucks are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So just like the Cameron Brake play, I think this is a solid play as well. All right, we're going to talk about the Thursday night game, cover a few of John's sneaky starts, but first a word from our sponsors. Today's episode was sponsored in part by Iconic, where you can shop name brand glasses, contacts, and sunglasses for the best possible price. Iconic seamlessly connects your eyewear, your vision insurance coverage, and your doctor's expertise with their network of over 38,000 eye doctors. Use their virtual try-on tool to see yourself in your favorite pair of glasses. John, I know you recently bought a pair of glasses from Iconic, right? Yeah, I actually got a pair of prescription Nike sunglasses. I was able to search by the size of the frames, and I have a big head, so that certainly helped. <laughs> and the site actually scanned my face for their virtual try-on feature, which was pretty cool. Uh, uploading my prescription was easy, and my sunglasses came within a few days. So all in all, it was a good experience. Well, if you want to be like John, enjoy the view and visit iconic.com backslash T-M-A-P. That's E-Y-E-C-O-N-I-C.com backslash T-M-A-P to shop 60 high-quality name brands, including Nike, Ray-Ban, Oakley, and AccuView. Get free shipping and returns, price matching, and a complimentary frame adjustment, plus save up to $220 when you apply for your insurance. Don't have insurance? Use the code TMAP to get 10% off your entire order. Iconic is looking out for your eyes. One other note on the Iconic link, the TMAP. T-M-A-P has to be in all caps for the link to work. So again, all caps on T-M-A-P. This podcast is also brought to you by Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business. Brings the heat again with a $500,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. It's called the Hooter Main Event with its $70,000 first place payout. This is the largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for Week 8 in the NFL. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pool 100% of the time, not just for limited time promotional contests. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win, whether you call it rake, commission, or management fee. The days of paying 10, 12, or even 16% of your entry fees to fantasy companies are over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 4 for 4 You're going to get a free 7-day trial on your first $1,000 of rake-free entry fees. That's FantasyDraft.com, promo code 4 for 4 Don't miss your shot at millions of dollars in rake-free contest this season. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll certainly is going to love it. Vikings and Redskins, we were talking about old team theorem earlier it didn't really necessarily work out for Kirk Cousins seemed almost like a, a very cautious tentative game plan for the Vikings last night John uh, very low scoring game Minnesota didn't cover as a 17 point favorite not a lot stood out but from the from the Minnesota standpoint with Adam Thielen out uh, what was some of your observations when it came to the Vikings well I ranked uh Stefan Diggs uh wide receiver three this week which was his high, is his highest ranking for me this this year? Uh, he's obviously I think he's a great talent, and with Thielen out, I thought he would have a big game, and he did. Uh, he did not find the end zone, but he caught seven for one forty three on seven targets, and I just 
you know, if a guy a guy has 143 yards on seven targets, maybe you throw him the ball a little bit more. I don't know. Nice. Yeah. Like you're you're throwing the ball to Kyle Rudolph three times. Uh, Laquan, Laquan Treadwell got a target. I, I don't I don't understand. It's twenty it's twenty yards a target. <laughs> Just throw him the ball. Anyway, my rankings really would have loved it. But uh, so this was very you know dig centric uh, cook. Uh, centric offense. I mean, Delvin Cook was electric, I guess. 23 carries, 98 yards, and touchdown. He had five catches for 73 yards uh, on six targets. He was the second most targeted guy. Doubled the number of uh, the targets of the third most targeted guys, which were Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. Um, So I was kind of surprised that Kirk Kirk Cousins didn't throw a touchdown pass, but um, maybe the revenge game standpoint was just him getting the win. Uh, and completing 23 or 26 passes for 285 yards because that was a pretty good, pretty good game for him. Case Keenum was 12 of 16 for 130 yards, threw for an 8.1 average. Dwayne Haskins entered the game, though, in the second half. He only attempted five passes, one of which was uh, an overthrow and wound up getting, wound up being intercepted. Uh, Adrian Peterson had a nice moment at the end of the game where Minnesota the Vikings fans recognized his achievements. 14 carries, 76 yards for him. Terry McLaurin, though, I mean, four catches, 39 yards, was, was targeted six times. But, I mean, he's really the only the only weapon in Washington's offense at this point that people are, are focused in on. So talk, talk to us about McLaurin. Is he in trouble? And then any other highlights that you got from Washington? Yeah, this whole thing was – like, I watched the first half of this game, and all of a sudden I turned on the second half. I was at my son's soccer practice. I was watching on my phone, and all of a sudden Dwayne Haskins is in. And I was like, oh, boy. What what's going on? And he like throws the ball way too high for McLaren and an interception happens. I'm just like, I'm turning this off. Okay. I, I had McLaren starting in a couple leagues and I just couldn't watch. Um, cause it's very depressing, even though the two played together in uh, college, it just seems like they have no rapport. Um, but this is more about the offense and Bill Callahan's desire to establish the run, even though he's, trailing in games i mean you look at you just look at this box score and it's kind of amazing that the redskins were basically trailing the entire game they attempted 21 passes and ran the ball 16 times so it was a pretty even split which is fine but they only ran 37 plays um that's very alarming and then you just look at mclaren's numbers just in this game were not terrifying i mean he had six targets which is the most which is great but you know, he only caught four for 39. And then in last week, he had two targets against the 49ers. So he's got eight targets in the last two games after Jay Gruden was fired. And then in the games where Jay Gruden was still the coach, he averaged 7.6 targets in the first five games. So just pass volume is way lower. And sadly, this offense looks lost if Case Keenum isn't under center. Like, at least he's competent. Um, delivering the ball for the most part. <laughs> At least he can occasionally competently throw the ball to, to Terry McLaren. So resemble, um, resemble an NFL quarterback is what you're saying. Yeah. He resu- yeah, certainly. So I like McLaren. I don't know. I don't have as much faith in him. I, I think it will be very matchup dependent and who's, who's a quarterback. If Keenan is back under center and uh, they have a decent matchup, then yeah, McLaren, I think will be, Ranked pretty high, but if it's if it's Haskins and or and or a tough matchup, then I'm gonna have a tough tough time uh, trusting McLaurin moving forward. 
All right, time for some sneaky starts. We'll go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. John will also mention some defensive streaming options. John, you got one quarterback option and actually is in the game on Monday night. Uh, I see where you're going with this. Which quarterback do you like? Yeah, it's a matchup play with uh, Mason Rudolph versus the, the Dolphins. Rudolph has been cleared from the concussion protocol. Uh, he looked fairly competent in his other starts. Um, he had 174 yards and two touchdowns against the 49ers, which was a tough matchup. 229 uh, yards and two touchdowns against the Bengals. And then he had 131 yards and a touchdown in a roughly half a play against the Ravens. Um, so he's, you know, he's averaging about two touchdowns per game if you're one touchdown per half. Um, and then you're looking at the matchup. Um, the Dolphins have struggled. Uh, Josh Allen has 19, had 19.3 fantasy points. Case Keenum had 15.6. Philip Rivers had 20.4. Uh, those, those were recent games. And I think coming off the bye, uh, Rudolph and the Steelers would be a little bit more aggressive throwing the ball downfield to you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson and even James Washington if he's uh, available. So I think the, the passing game should look a little bit better in Week 8. The Bears haven't been able to run the ball much, but you like David Montgomery against the Chargers. Well, I wouldn't say I'd like. Uh, that's kind of overstating it, but I think it's a decent process play because of the matchup against the Chargers, uh, 30th and adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, to running backs, uh, the Chargers are probably going to be either without Keenan Allen or a limited Keenan Allen. So this might be a game where the Bears are able to to lead start to finish. And then you just look at what he has done. And it hasn't been, you know, obviously the game against the Saints was the throwaway game. He had four touches. But prior to that, he had 12 touches against Oakland and he had 20, or 24 touches against Minnesota, 16 touches against uh, Washington, 19 touches against Denver. Uh, the yards per carry is pretty bad, 3.3 yards per carry. But, you know, you're getting the Chargers in and they're as bad as they are against running backs. I think uh, he's a he's a decent play this week. And, you know, this is called – this article is called Sneaky Starts, Not Confident Starts. So um, <laughs> this is part of the reason why. I do think both he and uh, Tariq Cohen are actually decent plays this week. All right. How about your two wide receivers, their teammates? Yeah, Ryan Tannehill, you know, under center has given this uh, Titans offense some life. Uh, the matchup is really nice against the Bucks. It really doesn't get any better in terms of wide receiver uh, AFPA. Uh, they're 32nd in the league in that metric. Um, and they have a run, really good run defense, so it's a pass-funnel offense. So I think the Titans are going to have to throw the ball more than they'd like because they're not going to have as much production out of Derrick Henry as they would normally like. So Davis had 6 for 80 and a touchdown uh, in Tannehill's first start and seven targets. Brown posted uh, 6 for 64 and eight targets. Um, the Bucks have uh, been torched by opposing receivers in recent weeks, giving up uh, big games to Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, 11 for 182 and 2 to Michael Thomas. They gave up 2 for 35 and a touchdown to Ted Ginn, 9 for 121 and a touchdown to Cooper Cup, 13 catches for 164 yards to Robert Woods, and 6, to 70, 6 for 71 to Brandon Cooks, who really hasn't done much this season at all. So it's just a really good matchup. Uh, and I think Tannehill, in his own right, is a sneaky start, but I think these two receivers – uh, can be plugged in as wide receiver three, wide receiver four types this week. I hope the Titans do something. I have uh, Corey Davis starting, Jonu Smith, who we mentioned before, and then the Titans defense. So um, I'm like all wow. in on the Titans this week. <laughs> Not necessarily on purpose, just the way the things work out sometimes. All right, how about the tight end that you like for your sneaky start for week eight? Yeah, we've already talked about Cameron Brayton, and Jonu Smith. So I just want to briefly talk about Josh Hill. Um, I'm glad that to see all the 2016 shares that I had of Josh Hill – when uh, 
Jimmy Graham left or whatever year it was. Uh, Jimmy Graham left. I was in on Josh Hill for a few weeks until they, uh, I think they signed Kobe Fleener that year, if I remember correctly, but I tried yep. to block all, all that out. Anyway, Hill is starting now uh, with Cook out. It looks like Cook's going to miss another week, although double check his status heading into the weekend. Uh, but last week against the Bears, he had three catches for 43 yards and a touchdown on three targets against the Bears. You'd like to see more targets there, but he obviously caught three of three and was about as productive as you could be on three targets. And then the matchup is great. The Cardinals are 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They've given up big games to Red Ellison, two for 33 and a touchdown. Austin Hooper had eight for 117 and a touchdown. Will Disley had seven for 57 and a touchdown. That's just recently. I mean, the guys, like Greg Olson had a huge game against him and earlier in the year as well. And there's another tight end or two that had big games against him. So I think Hill's a decent spot start again, uh, just like Brait and uh, uh, um, Smith. Janu Smith, yeah. All right, so um, de- defensive streaming options to wrap everything up. Yeah, make sure you uh, check out Kevin Zetlukel's uh, streaming defenses article. This week his uh, model uh, picked the, the the Steelers. I don't think he needed a model to pick that, but his model did pick it uh, against the <laughs> against the Dolphins. It's a great great play. The Steelers coming off a bye. I mean, that's just a really it's a money play on Monday night. Um, and then they also picked out the model also picked out the Colts at home against Denver. And then Detroit at home against the Giants. I think those are both two good, two good plays. And then two other ones that jumped out to me as, as potential plays: uh, the Titans at home. Uh, who are the Titans are at home against Tampa? Bucks. Yep. That's a yeah, that's a nice matchup. I had uh, Chargers listed here, but it's Tampa um, with Jameis Winston throwing interceptions and holding onto the ball too long and fumbling it. Uh, I think the Titans are a decent play, and I think the Packers against Matt Moore. Is a decent play, although I'm a little bit worried about you know Matt Moore looking super sharp and being uh, a beneficiary of the quarterback whisperer uh, Andy Reid. But I do think the Packers could uh, produce a nice fantasy line in that game as well if they are prepared and um, Matt Moore doesn't uh, exceed expectations. All right, beautiful. John, thank you so much. John Paulson, you can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We'll return next week for week nine in the NFL, give you more news injuries, sneaky starts, you know what to expect from the most accurate podcast. So good luck this weekend in all your leagues. We'll see you next week.